Good morning. And because I haven't met everybody yet, and some of you are visiting today, some of you here for the very first time, I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. Today's scriptures are going to be found, if you're on the Bible app, using your uh, Bible, uh, uh, your, uh, on, on your phone, whatever, or if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Hebrews chapters 11 and 12, in and out of those chapters. And I'm adding one, too, if you could just uh, maybe throw this one in. Uh, Psalm 103, Psalm 103 will be uh, one that you could bookmark right now and will be there in a little bit. Well, I hope you're enjoying a really nice weekend. It's the first weekend that uh, kind of feels like maybe something good's coming. Um, a lot of people think this is the start of summer, and for a lot of people it is the start of summer. It's kind of where it begins, even though it's not technically and legally and officially the start of summer. Uh, we're glad it's starting to feel like that, right? Yes. Right. How many are glad we didn't have to cancel church today because of a snowstorm? <laughs> okay, good. Well, we're glad you're here. As Pastor Todd said, tomorrow is officially designated as a, a holiday in the United States and in a number of other countries around the world. It's also marked in many communities across this nation by a variety of solemn observations or observances. And all across the United States, people will gather in parks and in cemeteries and in public squares to commemorate what this day really symbolizes. Bands will play, speeches will be given, prayers will be offered to God, taps will be played, guns will be fired as a salute to those whom our grateful nation, nation seeks to remember on this day. From Valley Forge to Berlin, from San Juan Hill to Heartbreak Ridge, from Iwo Jima to Saigon and Desert Storm and beyond, the blood of approximately one million American soldiers is permanently mingled with the soil of four continents and hundreds of islands. This year marks the 100th year since the end of World War I, which was affectionately known as the war to end all wars. How did that work? And Memorial Day is our feeble attempt to remember and to say thank you to those who gave their best. They gave all they had so that we might continue to enjoy the liberties that are ours even to this very day. Our present commemoration of the day came out of the Civil War in 1865, shortly after the close of that war, some women in Vicksburg, Mississippi chose May 30th as a day to place flowers on the graves of their war dead. The practice of choosing a special day to decorate the graves of the war dead soon spread both north and south, and it came to be called Decoration Day. In 1868, a group of women in Washington, D.C., asked permission of the War Department to decorate the graves at Arlington National Cemetery and to be allowed to have a special memorial ceremony to mark that occasion. After a lot of discussion, permission was granted, but the officials attached a harsh provision. No flowers were to be placed on the graves of the Confederate soldiers 
who were buried in a separate section of the cemetery. The ladies finally agreed and they planned their program. General James Garfield, a devout Christian, by the way, who later became president of the United States, delivered the memorial speech. And in accordance with their agreement, flowers were placed only upon the graves of the Union dead and not upon the graves in the Confederate section. Quite a while after all the crowds had dispersed and people had gone, a strong wind arose over Arlington and it blew almost all the flowers over onto the Confederate graves. When that became known, many people believed that it was a direct result of God's intervention. After that, the order to ignore the Confederate graves was never once repeated. Now, it's called Memorial Day. And it's observed as a day to honor the fallen of all of our nation's wars, a time when our country pauses to remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we enjoy. It's quite something that we only take one out of 365 days, isn't it? To say thank you to those who gave all. So I strongly urge you to at least take one out of 365 to commemorate that gift to you. You owe it to them, we all do, and we owe it to all those who served with them, and we owe far more than we will ever realize. As many of you know, and some of you don't, and some of you probably don't care, but I'm going to be vain for a moment. My father was a veteran of World War II, having served in the Royal Canadian Army from 1939 to 1945 in England, in France, in Belgium, and in Holland. And his younger brother, my uncle and namesake, Lance Corporal Robert Bobby Crosswaite, he was uh, taken captive by the Nazis in 1942 and remained in POW camp Stalag 8B, transferred to 2D in Lambsdorff, Germany. He was prisoner number 25904, among some 40,000 Allied prisoners. That was just one camp. There were several camps, and they all had 40 to 60,000 prisoners in them. He was in the camps for 33 months. I carry with me today copies of some of the letters that were sent from the family to him while he was in the prison camp and also some of the stuff that he wrote sending to his family and friends. Of course, anything coming out of the camp or going in had to be examined by Nazi guards, of course, opened and read, and the stamps are right on these letters with the, uh, with the Nazi stamps as well. And um, there were letters to him as well. There were notes between my dad and my uncle. This is 75 plus years ago. And it's still like yesterday to me, even though I hadn't been born yet. 
There's also one letter in my stack here from the Inter International Red Cross notifying the family that he had not been killed in battle. He was not missing in action, but rather he was imprisoned in Stalag. The stamps on these letters are inspected, opened, and of course the stamp of the camp, its location and its number. I thank my God again today and thank God, and I hope I'll have the chance to, again tomorrow to thank God that my two heroes both returned home safely, one to live to all, just a month shy of 85 and the other to live to the ripe age of 92. What wasn't always told in their story was that after the war, four or five days into their trip across the Atlantic, they didn't even know each other was still alive, and they were reunited, unknowingly, they were reunited on the troop ship carrying them home. They didn't even realize they were on the same ship. I said that to say this. The key to Memorial Day is remembering. The author of the book of Hebrews calls us in the 12th chapter to remember that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And he writes this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm going to ask if you'll read it with me, and I'd like you to help me here, and I think you'll get a lot out of it too. So let's start with the therefore, and let's read it together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, or the word in another, uh, another portion of scripture is patience, the race marked out for us. Good, thank you. And by beginning that passage with the word, how does it begin again? Yeah, see, therefore, in the Bible, you always ask yourself, what's it there for? He is intentionally calling our, our attention back to the heroes of the faith who are mentioned in the previous verses, and that would be in the 11th chapter, the great Hall of Faith chapter of the Bible. So if you look down through, if you have your Bible there or you're on your computer, uh, the 11th chapter, uh, look at that with me, the first 31 verses... You'll notice many names that the writer is asking us to remember. Names like Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and even Rahab and especially Rahab. Then as you get down to verse 32 of Hebrews 11, he, he uh, says these words, and I think we could read these together. If you'd like to read with me, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. And what more shall I say? That's the question he's asking. I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful and ba in battle and routed foreign armies. What a great variety of people herein named. Many of them just, hey, they were just ordinary individuals of faith. 
but they were used by God to do extraordinary things to accomplish his will in their lives, in lives and in their time. You see, God makes a habit of doing the impossible through people who are not that much different from you and me. Now, that's encouraging. We look at this list, some of the names we've heard, some of them maybe you haven't. And you think, well, I could never be like that, or I could never be named in the Bible, or I could never be considered uh, in the hall of faith, and so on. Yeah, these are ordinary people like you, like me. But God chose to use them in an extraordinary, extraordinary way to do impossible things, or things thought impossible. Let me give you a secret. The secret of living a life that makes a difference. Who wouldn't want to live a life that makes a difference? Is, is realizing it's not what you do for yourself, but rather what you allow God to do for others through you. That's the key. We spend a lot of time bragging on ourselves, don't we? What we did, what we're going to do, where we've been, who we did it with. But if you want to live a life that makes a difference, realize it's not what you do for yourself. It's what you allow God to do for others through you. And that's how you make a difference in this world and how you make a lasting impact in this world, in your life, in the lives of those around you, and generally in your sphere of influence. A lot of years ago now, this name used to be very contemporary when we'd name it, but a lot of years ago, a man by the name of Steve Green, a well-known songwriter, put it this way, Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. You know, I believe with all my heart that we're surrounded by a greater cloud of witnesses than we will ever know until we all stand together before the throne of our Lord and our God. We are the recipients of the faith and the testimony and the sacrifices that have been made by unnumbered multitudes who have blazed the path before us, gone ahead of us, and marked the trail. Like the psalmist of old, we cry out, and again, if you'd like to read with me, I invite you to do so. Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. Let's read it. Since my youth, O Lord God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Wow. You, you want a little, a little snippet from the Psalms that you can just recite every day in your personal conversation with God? Why not try Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18? It's a psalm of thanksgiving. It's a, a psalm of, of praise. It's a psalm of uplift. But it's also one where you're just ascribing the praise and the glory to the one and only one who deserves it. And you're asking him, even when I've lived my life and I'm old and gray, do not forsake me till I declare your power to the next generation. That's so important. 
Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Memory. What a wonderful gift it is. Without it, we would stumble through a world of confusion, unable to profit from anything we had learned before. But I tell you, locked away, deep down inside of each one of us, there is a treasure house full of memories and pictures of the past that time alone can never erase. Not all our memories are pleasant ones, of course. Some are unpleasant. Some are sad. Some we wish weren't there, but they are. But there are also happy memories, recollections we would not exchange for any sum of money in the world. Life is a compilation of memories that we've made. Life is that sum total of all those things that have gone into our lives over the years. And many of those recollections we would not, I repeat, we would not exchange for any sum of money in the world. Yes? Yes? Yeah. And yet, we do forget. Even important things gradually start fading away. And that's one reason why we have days in our, in our corporate world, if you will, in our bigger sphere, that we set aside and we call Memorial Day. They're memory aids. We need them so that we will not forget. Stories told of a certain Persian king who arose from a a poverty-stricken home to the glory of the royal throne. And after he was crowned king, he sent his servants to the old shack where he was reared with orders to gather every relic of those early days. They found many broken toys. They found patched shirts, a crude wooden bowl from which he ate, and many other otherwise worthless mementos of his, child, his childhood years. And all these he arranged after he got them in a special room in the palace. And every single day, he spent one whole hour sitting upon the reminders of his humble origin. And on the wall hung a simple prayer entitled, Lest I Forget. We have memory aids all around us to commemorate certain people, certain events, certain things, certain uh, places. We have bridges, we have roads, we have dams, we have buildings, we have museums, we have scrapbooks, we have schools, we have diaries, we have videos, we have photo albums, we have tombstones, we have statues, we have monuments, and on and on and on and on. And all those things are nice, and usually they're in very good taste, but they're not enough. Listen to this news item. This is ancient history. From Newsweek magazine, January 22nd, 2001. 
Their hair is gray, their shoulders are slumped, and they walk with the shuffle of the aged. Their ship, a rusty antique, wallowed through the Atlantic, battered by a winter storm. For the elderly crew of LST 325, a creaking World War II troop ship that had been taken out of service, listen to this, in 1946. It was the last chance to recapture their youth and to preserve their exploits for future generations. Ironically, the U.S. Coast Guard deemed the voyage from Greece to Mobile, Alabama unsafe. But the same daring that led these men to ignore deadly enemy fire during the, the war led them to ignore the Coast Guard warnings. The crew battled ancient equipment, 110 degree heat, cockroaches, government regulations, same thing, and the death of a crew member to secure the old vessel and to make it seaworthy. They tried to stop us, but we knew that we could do it, one of the crew members said. This ship, now you're probably looking at it, or you will be, now safe in harbor in Indiana, will be the first memorial to the heroism of the amphibious landing craft crews. LST-325 will serve, as, and does serve, as a double memorial to the men who served bravely under fire during the war and then fought once again to reclaim her from the scrap heap. What a story. Friends, listen here. We are so prone to forget. And that's why memorials are important. That's why they're necessary. But do you know what is even more tragic than forgetting our heritage? Well, it's forgetting how much we owe to God. If I'm here today saying, I think we ought to have more than one out of 365 days to honor the memory of those who have fallen and given their lives on our behalf, how many days do we need to remember what we owe to God? Each Sunday, and this is traditional, and that's a nice tradition, it's really kind of a memorial day. It's a day to remind us and to, and, and, and to keep that fresh in our minds of God's love and his kindness to us and of the great sacrifice for us on, the, on, on, behalf, on, on, on Christ's behalf. That, was, that, that, that just can't be erased from our minds and our hearts, and we need those reminders, not just every Sunday, but I think every day. And down in Psalm 103, David is speaking here, and he urges us not to forget. And here's what he wrote. And this is one of the uh, references I wanted you to be sure to mark. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, 
who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your, new, uh, your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hmm. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And repeat that. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not repay us according to our Iniquities, And I got to say this, David, of all people, was very happy to say that. Are you? Are you? Does that verse resonate with you? Huh? Yeah. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. Never measured, actually. Nobody knows. So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Well, that's beyond infinity. Nobody has ever measured it and cannot do so. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. I submit to you that that is a pretty comprehensive salvation. When our sin record has been taken away from us and it's further away now than the farthest reaches of heaven and as far as the east is from the west, I'd say it's looked after. And then as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed and he remembers what? He remembers what? That we are what? Dust. In those verses, and I'm going to jump down to a couple more, but in those verses, David mentions just a number of wonderful blessings. You could camp on this Psalm 103 and just stay there for the summer. <laughs> the wonderful blessings that come from God. What are they? The first off, the forgiveness of our sins. How many are going to vote in favor of that? Okay. Healing of our diseases. Redemption of our lives from the pit. David had lived all these things. David had experienced all these things. David knew what the power of God was and the blessing of God. The gifts of love, the gift of compassion, the gift of inner satisfaction, excuse me, I'll get it. The, the gift of righteousness, the gift of justice, and the blessing of God revealing his will for our lives. And then in that Psalm 103, if you go down to verse 17... And 18, we notice something. We like to take, 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 take. And we expect God to give, 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 give. But verse 17 and 18 kind of brings us up short because it says these blessings are, and I'm going to use my word, conditional upon obedience to his commands. Listen to the words. But from everlasting to everlasting, 
The Lord is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his his covenant and remember to obey. And what? Remember? Remember? See how important remembering is? And remember, say, oh, yes, yes, I did do that, God. I'm so sorry. Oh, yes, I remember now. I shouldn't, uh, yeah. I remember you told me to do this and this and this, and you said we shouldn't do this. Oh, now I remember. Those who remember to obey his precepts. You see, I want to clear something up here. Stay with me. Those blessings that are listed in verses 1 through 14 are not automatic. They're not all one way. They come to us as we walk in God's way. They will keep us steady in times of trial. And they'll help heal our emotional scars and our hurts. But remembering God's goodness and blessings and just remembering all the stuff that he's promised and all the things that we've already received, that's not enough. It must also result in some positive actions. And so just to swerve into this so that we can take something away from this that is truly practical. I want to suggest a few things that we can do, and they're very simple, but it's the simple things that trip us, isn't it? I want to suggest some things that we can do as we remember the blessings and the mercies of God. The benefits, David calls them, of God. And the first thing we can do is give thanks. Yeah, first of all, give thanks. How many of you are good at math? You love arithmetic and you're just so good at math. How many? Okay, four of you. Um, That's all I counted. I'm not that good at math, but I can count to four. Do you know that the hardest thing about arithmetic and to master it is that which helps us to count our blessings. And I wonder sometimes people, I meet people all the time who are quick to tell me, oh, I hate math, I hated math, I'm not good at math, I'm no good. And, and I want to say, so how are you then at counting your blessings? i got to tell you something, Christian. I believe we've got a lot of work to do in that simple area. It's so easy to give thanks. It's so easy to be, live in that buoyant atmosphere when everything seems to be going our way. The wind's at our back. We're heading, you know, we're in a downhill slide. We're, woo, hands up. We're doing a great thing here. And everything we've asked for is coming our way, and even stuff we didn't ask for, and it's just beyond our comprehension, and we just, wow!
and then it hits. Hmm. What happens to our thanksgiving when the bottom falls out? What happens to our thanksgiving when that glory day gets over? The sun goes down and now we're living in darkness and we don't know how to turn, left, right, or indifferent. We don't know what to do. We need, Christian, hear me, we need to practice Thanksgiving. We need to be counting our blessings. We need to keep saying to God, oh, how you have honored me. Oh, how you have given to me. Oh, how much grace I've received. That, thanks, that salvation, that forgiveness, that righteousness, all of that, none of which I have in myself or of my own doing, but all as a gift from you. For all of that, I give you thanks, and I praise your name. The hardest arithmetic to master is that which helps us to count our blessings. Second thing we can do in positive action is resolve to walk in God's ways. And I'm not talking here about mental resolve. I'm not talking here about giving some kind of mental assent to some idea. Because we can all do that. And even while we're hearing a preacher preach and we're getting what, what he's saying, we're, that's fine. But we must make a, a resolution, not just in our heads, but in our hearts and in our spirits and in our soul, that what we're going to do is walk in the ways of God. Say, well, that could be tough, and I could face some opposition. I'd be very surprised if you don't, and I'd be kind of disappointed if you tell me you don't, because it might be a sign that you're not doing so well, even in the walking in God's ways thing. We need to resolve. I resolve. I give it everything, no matter what. And resolve is this. Here's resolve. I will walk in God's ways no matter what. See, God's salvation, God's sacrifice of his son, that whole, I, the whole redemptive plan, it, it's really on us unconditional. The only condition we have is to accept it. Huh? And, and, and really, when you think of it, we should resolve unconditionally. We should say, no matter what, I resolve to walk in God's way. Next to the one who doesn't pay his bills, I'm told that a doctor's most annoying patient is the one who refuses to follow orders. Sometime recently, a study estimated that somewhere from 60 to 90% of all patients cheat on their diets. I found that hard to believe. <laughs> I think it's 100%. Probably that same number uh, of, of patients that was studied, it says, continue to smoke. The doctor says, give that up. Give, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Or they never return for their scheduled checkup or their follow-up. Despite the doctor's time and energy and influence, careful prescriptions, detailed advice, all of the rest of it, 
that many people just go on basically doing their own thing. You know, in the same way, there are many people today who are spiritually ill. They're weak. They're anemic. They lack stamina. They lack the power to resist temptation. Oh, God, give us that power. Because they fail to heed the word of God and they walk continually in disobedience. The memory of God's grace and love should spur each of us to a firm determination to do his will regardless of the cost. The memory of God's grace and love, talking about memory here, talking about remembering here, talking about giving unto God that which is his, the memory of God's grace and love should spur each of us to a firm determination to do his will regardless of the cost. So we ought to give thanks. That's one positive action. We ought to resolve to walk in God's ways no matter what. And we also ought to teach our children and grandchildren. Mind you, some of you know me, a few of you do well enough to know that I could go on now for hours on a rabbit trail here. I'm, I'm going to resist that temptation. Just to say that we need to teach our children and we need to teach our grandchildren about the goodness of God. Amen. And I'm going to throw this in as a caveat. If you have children or grandchildren... Teenagers or youth that are involved in the ministries here at Faith Community, you are very fortunate. You are very blessed. Because those ministries are manned by people who love God, whose primary and only goal is to teach those little ones the goodness of God, the grace of God, the plan of God, when we have baptisms here, have you ever notice how many of the baptisms are young children? Have you ever notice how few of the baptisms are adults? Adults who should be baptized, adults who know that they haven't been baptized scripturally, and adults who need to be baptized, and yet little, the Bible says the little child shall lead them, and little children have that, they have that fresh faith, they have that understanding, they haven't complicated it, they haven't confused it, they have, they have uh, a lot of, they're brave, and they, and, and they just step forward. Why? Because they're being taught some things that are so precious and are so important to living life the way God wants it lived. You ask me, how do we keep the memory of God alive in the hearts of our children and our grandchildren? I'm going to suggest that you do it this way, two or three ways. You can jot those down if you want. First off, tell them of your own personal relationship with God. If you can't tell them of your relationship with God, you, have, you can't get the first base. Matter of fact, you've probably stumbled and fallen on the baseline somewhere. So that's where you've got to start. And if you don't have a personal relationship with God, guess what? It's time. It's time. It's time to come 
to faith in Christ and re be received into the family of God and learn what it is to grow in grace and in your knowledge of him so that you can be the mentor. You're the number one teacher and mentor of your children. I don't care how many schools you send them to. I don't care how many uh, youth departments you send them to. I don't care how many churches you're involved in. You, my friend, are the primary responsibility for the souls of those children. Right. Boy, that was weak. Wow. Amen. And the people who live by that axiom know what I mean. So the first thing you do is you tell them of your personal relationship with God. Okay, so we settle that. The second thing you do is you share with them the eternal truths concerning God. And you don't do that all in one day. I had a little exercise I used to do one day a week for just maybe 45 minutes with my boys growing up. And I would just teach them one thing, just one principle of Scripture. And after a while, I had a list of about 100 things. And you don't have to take a lot of time. You don't have to look up 14 verses of Scripture. You don't have to use Scripture background in some of those cases. It's just good, powerful sense and decency and value that you're teaching. Many times it's, it's something com uh, connected to a command of God or, or, or something that comes straight out of the Bible. But you share with them eternal truths concerning God. And then I'll just add one more. Live before them. Live before them. Live before them in such a way as to create a hunger and a thirst for God. Amen. If you have this great desire to see your children grow up and serve God and love him with all their hearts and walk in his ways, and your life is just like a pinball, it's all over the place. One day you're up, two days you're down, one day you're in on, on things, the next four days you're out of your AWOL, you, you don't know what you believe, you think you know what you believe, but you're not living it. Listen, you, I hate to tell you this, I've just been in the counseling room for too many years, almost 44 years. Your kids don't have a chance. Live before them in such a way as to create a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. I said it earlier, memory's a great thing. Do you remember I said that? <laughs> memory is a gift from God. Every good thing is a gift from God. So use it in the most positive way you can. And may the past memories and all those mercies, all that, that forgiveness, huh? all that grace, all of that love, all of that eternal truth, all of that direction for living, all of that blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing, all of that, 
everything that God has done. May that serve you as a help for the present day and may it serve as a hope for your future days. Somebody smile at me, do something. Look, somebody is scowling at me like I'm, I'm saying something really bad and if you try any of this thing, you're going to have a heart attack and die. I love you so much. I wouldn't spend two minutes doing this if I didn't care, if I didn't love, if I wasn't concerned about you and your family, if I didn't want you to listen on purpose. Not to me. This is not original. But, for, but to hear what God's saying and to hear and to understand that these precepts are timeless and they work. They work. And so I hope that they'll be a help for your present situation, whatever it is, and that there'll be hope for your future. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. The future starts tomorrow, and every tomorrow thereafter, what's your hope? When the Persian Empire was formed, Cyrus was its great leader. Some call him the founder of the Persian Empire. Wow. There's a title for you. He once captured a prince, a young prince and his family, his whole family. And when they were called in, to stand before Cyrus. Emperor Cy Cyrus asked the prince this question. Get the, get the meaning now, please, folks, of this story. This is a true story from history. Get the, get the, just get what I'm saying here, and, and, and I'll leave you alone, okay? <laughs> he asked the prince, what will you give me if I release you. The young prince replied, I will give you half of my wealth, which was very substantial. Cyrus said to the young prince, what will you give me if I release your children? And the young prince said, everything I possess. There was a long pause. Severely testing this young prince, Cyrus said, and what will it take or what will you give me to release your wife? And without hesitation, the young prince stood tall and said, your majesty, I will give myself. Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire, was so moved by his devotion that he freed them all. They made their way back to their little kingdom, and as they returned home, the prince turned to his wife or said to his wife sometime later something to this effect, wasn't Cyrus, isn't he a handsome man? And with a look of deep love for her husband, she said to him, I didn't notice I could only keep my eyes on you 
the one who was willing to give himself for me. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus, Messiah, Savior of the world, is the one who was willing to give himself for you and for you and for you and for you and for me and for all of us. So let us always, 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 Remember, remember. Can I ask you to join me in a moment of quiet? And what I'm going to do right here now, I'm just going to ask for a moment of silence and I will break it with a prayer. So let's all bow in silence. In honor of those who have fallen in death, in support of our nation and freedom and democracy around the world and who have given their all. You know, all gave some, but some gave it all. Let's have a moment of silence. Our Heavenly Father, we just praise you. We praise you for who you are. But because of who you are, we have received more than we can ever know. You have afforded to us the great riches of eternal life salvation, a home in heaven for eternity, and blessings all along the way. You have also put in the grandstand of our life many, many people, a great cloud of witnesses who care about us and love us and are rooting for us, Lord. And we must remember that we're not in this thing alone. We must remember that many have gone ahead of us to blaze the trail. Many have laid down their lives even in defense of the cross and in defense of the Christian faith and in defense of freedom. And we thank you for that. And we look for you today, Lord, to truly touch our hearts. There are dear people in this room today, no doubt, who haven't ever come into a personal relationship with you or they've never accepted Jesus Christ and his gift of salvation. And, and, and Lord, we just pray that today something in the power of your Holy Spirit will just move their hearts and touch them to that point of giving in to Christ. There are those that have important spiritual decisions to make, never been made, and they've coasted this far. Lord, I pray that you'll just bring them to that important decision and make that decision. I pray there'll be a resolution made in many hearts today to walk in the ways of God. And Lord, lest we forget, lest we forget all of our blessings, because we know all good and perfect things have come down from the Father above lest we forget even the least of them. May we always, always, always remember. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.